At every ARBA convention, we're greeted by a banner that reads, For five days, you don't have to explain to anyone why you raise rabbits. Our hobby sometimes raises eyebrows. You show what? But once you step inside, you'll discover a world full of passionate, interesting people all working toward the ultimate goal, best in show. What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for a white rabbit. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. If I were looking for a white rabbit, I'd ask the Mad Hatter. Okay, rabbit, you force me to use force. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Welcome to Best in Show, the only podcast dedicated to the show rabbit and cavey industry. This is episode 30 and a special podcast recording. Today, Brian and I are excited to speak to representatives from MedGene Labs of South Dakota, including Ashley Peterson, a senior scientist, and Dr. Amanda Jones, a veterinarian and rabbit breeder. MedGene Labs is the developer of the U.S. manufactured vaccine to protect rabbits against RHDV2. MedGene Labs is a leader in the new field of prescription vaccines for animals, Vaccines, which are prescribed by a veterinarian to proactively target emerging diseases, such as viruses that change frequently or are difficult to grow, such as RHDV2 in rabbits. Both Ashley and Dr. Jones will also be present at the 2021 ARBA convention in Louisville and giving a symposium at RabbitCon on the developments of the MedGene RHDV2 vaccine. Here with us today is Ashley Peterson from MedGene Labs. Ashley, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, and the history of MedGene? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, my name is Ashley Peterson. I have been with MedGene Labs for almost 10 years. I started um, my journey here in 2012. Um, as a research assistant, and I was pursuing a master's degree in veterinary microbiology. Um, I have since achieved that and have a master's degree. Uh, but MedGene Labs is a biotechnology company uh, founded just one year before I started, so in 2011. And the company was founded by South Dakota State University professor Dr. Alan Young. Um, he had some technology that he was working on at the university, and he spun that off to his own company. The company actually began as a diagnostic assay company and mostly working with prion diseases, um, specifically trying to detect scrapie in sheep um, before um, it progresses to the point where the animal um, uh, dies. Um, in that work, Alan was also collaborating with Kansas State University for a Rift Valley fever virus vaccine. And that actually led to our company's vaccine focus around 2014. So we completely switched to just focusing on vaccines at that point. In 2018, MedGene received the U.S. Veterinary Biologics Establishment License, and we also... Um, achieved 
the obtaining a manufacturing license for autogenous bacterins. Our work is primarily focused on licensing prescription platform vaccines, and those are goal right now is just for livestock animals, so swine and cattle. And we actually received our first prescription platform license in swine um, just this past September. So it's been an exciting year for us. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the COVID vaccine that MedGene developed for use in mink? Yeah, so um, the USDA was interested in companies that could develop a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine for mink. Um, That is the only animal vaccine that the USDA was was and still is interested in for COVID prevention. So Medjean pursued a serology study in mink. We used a local mink farm in South Dakota. And then we also worked with Colorado State University for a hamster challenge study. Um, The serology results we received in mink were very promising, but uh, Zoetis unfortunately beat us to the punch and were able to provide a vaccine to mink farmers across the nation uh, prior to us being comfortable releasing our vaccine. Um, However, there is really no evidence that SARS-CoV-2 is a serious pathogen in animals other than mink. Um, So right now it's kind of not much interest. Again, Zoetis provided vaccines to mink farms across the nation, so we don't have really a target um, industry to produce vaccines for at this time. But our platform technology for making vaccines does enable us to be prepared for the future if a new strain of SARS-CoV-2 becomes more pathogenic in animals that would require vaccination. So we are prepared for the future in the event that that does become relevant. So what inspired MedGene's interest in creating an RHD vaccine for rabbits? Yeah, so that actually the USDA Center for Veterinary Biologics reached out to us to see if we would be interested and capable to provide a U.S.-based vaccine um, for RHDV2. They have basically worked hand-in-hand with us to um, develop the guidelines for prescription vaccines so they understood our technology really well and thought that we would be a great company to really meet the need of the rabbit industry for the RHDV2. Um, Once we understood the significant impact that RHDV2 is having on rabbits and the high demand to develop a U.S.-based solution, we proceeded basically immediately. And what challenges did MedGene face in developing an RHD vaccine in the U.S.? Yeah, I think um, some of the beginning challenges were finding collaborators to execute the animal studies. Um, So the animal studies needed to get conditional and full license for vaccines. You have to have certain housing situations to have those animals, certain biosecurity measures. So finding the facilities for that was probably the first challenge. 
but we did find Colorado State University that was able to actually develop the challenge model itself for rabbits. And then they also had the facilities to proceed and execute our um, efficacy study. We also had to find um, rabbit owners, rabbit breeders to execute our safety studies. So that was maybe a little um, challenging in and of itself to have people that own rabbits be comfortable using their own rabbits to execute the safety studies. So then that kind of um, extended our timeline of completing those two crucial studies. But we were actually able to get both of those done, um, at least partial safety study to proceed with emergency use. Um, And it was about 15 months. So that's actually pretty rapid for vaccine development. Um, Typically from vaccine idea to vaccine to the market, it can be about eight years. Wow. So that is a lot quicker than, than usual. Yes. So how is this vaccine different from the European vaccines in terms of its design? Yeah, so the European vaccines are a killed whole virus, which they obtain from infected rabbit livers. Um, RHDV2 can't be grown um, in a lab. So the only way that the European vaccine was able to be made was to actually infect rabbits and harvest it from rabbits. Um, Our vaccine technology, we use um, sequencing to determine the genetic makeup of a virus. And then we use certain segments of the virus that are known to be immunogenic. um, And those are what go into the vaccine. So it's actually just a protein that ends up in our vaccine. And that is made by a baclovirus expression system. And baclovirus is an insect virus, and it has no known um, implications to mammals or anything like that. So it's very safe. And again, you end up with just protein in the vaccine instead of a virus. So we use just a portion of what is on the virus to generate the target antigen that goes in the vaccine. And then that also allows the immune response to be much more specific. So where is this vaccine available currently and how is it being adopted in the U.S. by different states? Yeah, so as far as availability, um, we have 35 states that have approved its use in their state uh, by licensed veterinarians. Um, The list of states is on our website. I don't know that I want to go through and list off every single one on the podcast, but um, we we update that list as soon as we have new approvals. So it is current. Um, And if a state is not listed and there's interest for vaccine in that state, we can uh, reach back out to state animal health officials to get that approval. We have reached out to every state to try to get the vaccine approved, but some states are just um, a little more hesitant or take a little bit longer to get those approvals. So if there is additional interest, we do prompt those states with specific names of the veterinarians and veterinary clinic so that they can 
understand that there really is a demand for the vaccine in their state. Can breeders be confident that if they want to use the MedGene RHDB2 vaccine that an ample supply is available? Yes. Uh, by the end of October, we should have um, between 50 and 60,000 doses available, and we are continuing to produce more. So we see that MedGene will be at the ARBA convention here in just a few days in Louisville, Kentucky. Will vaccines be offered there? Vaccines will not be available for purchase at the convention, uh, but we will have information about our vaccine and the order process in general, um, keeping in mind that we can only sell and ship vaccine directly to licensed veterinarians. So that's really where that comes from, that we can offer vaccines right at the convention. That's very understandable. Um, what is the current cost of the vaccines and should it be expected to vary by veterinarian? Yeah, so the cost will vary by veterinarian and we just want to let them, let owners know that they should contact their veterinarian to determine the cost. Um, there are many different factors that veterinarians um, weigh on the reasoning for their different costs. So we completely leave that up to the veterinarians that are administering these vaccines. That's good to know. So what are the long-term goals of the MedGene vaccination for RHDB2? Um, that could include who would be allowed to administer it, um, availability, uh, things like that. And what federal measures must take place to make this possible? So our long-term goal is to have the vaccine fully licensed, and we anticipate that by the end of 2022, um, hopefully sooner, but that's really what we're thinking right now is that it'll be the end of next year when that full license comes through. Um, but in the meantime, we will be getting a conditional license in the next couple months, hopefully early 2022, but that conditional license still has state-by-state state conditions. Um, so each state will have the ability to, you know, require that licensed veterinarians are the only receivers of the vaccine, the only ones to administer the vaccine. But when that full license comes through, then the vaccine would be available to anyone. And by anyone, do you mean that this would be something that breeders could perhaps purchase at, you know, a farm or ranch store and take home and administer themselves? Um, I don't know that we've really looked into who would be um, our distribution points, but definitely the vaccine would be available for purchase to anyone and, um, for anyone to administer. I think that's um, that's going to make a lot of our listeners really happy because that's kind of been the the goal for us, at least, or our, our pipe dream is to have that vaccine readily available, you know, that we can buy, perhaps store in our refrigerator and, and administer to our own rabbits as, you know, our schedule permits. So that's very good news. And I think that's going to be something that a lot of our members and listeners are very happy to hear. So is there anything else that you had wanted to talk about in particular um, regarding this vaccine? Um, 
I think one other note with the long-term goals um, that I haven't mentioned was um, we do have the capability of eventually adding um, RHDV1 into the vaccine. That would be after the full license is granted. And then our vaccine technology allows us to rapidly update our vaccine in the event that a new strain um, would come about. So thinking about it future, you know, there could be another RHD that comes around and we would be very rapid in producing a new vaccine against that strain. So just something to keep in mind that um, the technology that we use is adaptable and rapid and, you know, we're in this for the long haul, really. So I know that there are other strains of RHD. RHDV1, for example, is the the longer lasting strain that's existed in Europe. What would um, MedGene be able to do should we see an outbreak of that here? Um, We would be able to get it um, into a vaccine probably in three to four months if not sooner. So if if there was the thought of a threat um, sooner than that, um, the makeup of RHDV1 is already known, so the virus sequence, um, and we could start preparing for that now. Um, we just don't have any indication that that's really that big a threat here in the U.S. Um, there, there have been... Um, a variant of RHDV2 has been identified in Europe, I believe, and we are prepared to, you know, rapidly respond to that one. Um, again, if if the RHDV2 strain mutates enough, we can update our vaccine to provide better protection against those emerging strains. That's great news, but it sounds like that means that owners will also need to be very cognizant, um, should that happen, of which version of the vaccine that they are using. Um, Yes, but at the same time, we can add um, all of those into one vaccine. But yes, if a new version comes out and we update the vaccine, owners would need to be aware that the vaccine formulation has changed and there is a new, you know, strain affecting the U.S., but um, as as up to date that these owners keep themselves, I think they would probably know almost sooner than we would. So <laughs> that's probably true. Um, so, if those vaccines are updated, do they still have to go through the same testing protocols? Once we have a full license for the vaccine, um, there's just one additional step we'll have to work out with the USDA CVB to allow that um, switching of sequence in our vaccine or addition to. So whether it's still keeping a monovalent vaccine or adding additional strains so then it becomes a multivalent vaccine, it's really just a paperwork exercise that we will need to do with the USDA CVB to allow for that. Um, but we won't have to go back and do efficacy studies or safety studies since we already have those completed for the initial RHDV2 product. 
We would also like to welcome Dr. Jones from Texas uh, to this special episode of Best in Show. And she has also been actively involved in the development of this Medgene uh, vaccination for uh, rabbits and the RHD V2 uh, virus. Uh, Dr. Jones, welcome to the podcast. Hi, great to be with you. Could you uh, maybe give us a little background on, on who you are and uh, your involvement in rabbits? Yeah, not a problem. So I am Dr. Amanda Jones. Um, I have been involved with rabbits and rabbit breeding uh, since I was in high school. I actually got into vet school uh, in a large part due to my involvement with the RBA and showing uh, Jersey Willies. Um, I got out when I went into vet school, but recently, a uh, Real recently, we just got back into showing rabbits with my son, who's going to be attending his first convention with his mini lops coming up. Um, and that's a large part of why I'm involved with the RHDV2 vaccine. We live in Texas, and when we started having outbreaks of RHDV in our state, I was very concerned about protecting his rabbits. So I got in contact with our state veterinarian and was involved in not only some of the actual RHDV2 cases that we saw here in Texas, but also with importing the European vaccines, uh, particularly with me, the AirVac vaccine. Um, I helped import and distribute a um, couple thousand doses of AirVac across the state to over 11 or 12 different veterinarians. And then I became involved with MedGene with their field safety trial studies to get this U.S. vaccine more widely available and also to uh, help kind of consult with them about getting this vaccine out. Well, we really appreciate all of your dedication. And, uh, you know, Brian and I both are active rabbit breeders, judges, and participants in this show, Rabbit Industry. And I'm going to speak for a lot of people that are listening on this podcast that uh, we are grateful to have someone from our side involved in this vaccine and the developments because um, it's only going to do all of us in our industry and in the, in the survival of our industry a lot of great. So thank you very much for everything you've done. Um, if you could maybe, uh, discuss the history and the progression of the RHD virus, uh, just to maybe update some of our listeners on on where it's been and where it seems to be going. Okay, yes, of course. So rabbit disease hemorrhagic virus was first noted in China in the 1980s. And this is the very first version of it. We call it RHDV1. And it was really characterized by that bloody nose, which is caused um, as a secondary problem from uh, inflammation of the liver. So that's what the virus does, is it attacks the liver and a few other things in the body and results in really bad inflammation throughout, and that can lead to the bleeding problems that we kind of notice with that. This is a virus that likes to mutate quickly and rapidly. It's an RNA virus, and RNA viruses love to change what they're doing. And we've seen that with RHDV. So we now actually have more versions than just the RHDV1. We have RHDV1A, and in France in 2010, we saw RHDV2 uh, emerge. And RHDV2 has been much more better situated to spread across the globe. Uh, it tends to affect uh, younger rabbits than RHDV1. RHDV1 typically targeted more of adult juniors, uh, adults and juniors. Uh, RHDV2 can attack uh, rabbits that are still under the weaning age which is uh, definitely different in that regard. It also tends to affect a wide range of rabbits. It has varied mortality. Uh, sometimes you'll have the entire barn wiped out, and sometimes just a handful of individuals will be affected. Uh, so it has spread all over the place. Um, most recently, 
With regards to North America, it uh, appeared in Washington State uh, in 2019, and in 2020, uh, it spread into the Southwest United States. And now we're even seeing this year cases sporadically in the east with Florida and Georgia and Mississippi and Minnesota. Are there any theories on the origin of the RHDV2 situation that we're facing here in North America? I know it's been on the forefront of concern for rabbit breeders, uh, as you said, all the way back to 2019 with those first cases in Washington. But are there any theories uh, as to how the heck it got here and and where it's going? There's a lot of theories of how it got here. And I don't think we will ever know exactly how it got here. And I think some people have some very strong opinions. They would like to cast blame on this or that. I think what's more important to focus on is that this is a virus that was meant to do exactly what it is doing. It's hardy in the environment. It's long lasting and it adapts so easily. It was almost inevitable that this would spread to the U.S. at some point in time, regardless of how it got here originally. And it sounds like it's not a very predictable virus. So with it showing up really in pockets across the country, do you have any theories on its predictability at this point and and where we might expect it? Or should we just expect the unexpected? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to expect the unexpected. This is a virus, and we have some other viruses in other species that behave very similarly to this, that we're going to see be very random in how it appears. We're not going to know why it showed up in this rabbit barn, but not that rabbit barn. Uh, And we've seen that already. We get a lot of cases and people ask, well, how did it get there? And ultimately, the usual answer is we don't know. It just seems to have magically appeared. It's not magical. There are reasons for it, but it's just so stable in the environment. And since it is now in our domestic and our native wildlife species, which is something that the RHDV1, the original virus, did not do. It did not affect our native North American uh, rabbits, which are a different genus than our domestic rabbits. Uh, It is very easy for it to persist in the environment. I do suspect that we're going to see some seasonality in certain places of the country. Here in Texas, we had quite a few cases reported in the spring of 2020, and it was really quiet until the spring of 2021, where we had a couple more cases. So I wonder, though we don't know for sure yet, if in um, maybe the Southwest, we may see kind of a spring resurgence. I don't think that's going to be the case in Colorado. Colorado seems to have pretty consistent cases almost throughout the entire year. So I do think we're going to see a lot of variability across the country as well in those patterns that may develop. Well, Dr. Jones, let's talk about your work with Medgene Labs and the development of this vaccine. Um, First of all, how is the vaccination administered? So it is administered subcutaneously right underneath the skin, either in the shoulder area or uh, in the flank hindquarter area. Now, you mentioned uh, just briefly the uh, Filovac and Aerovac vaccine from Europe, which you helped to bring to the U.S. and to counter some of those early, um, you know, Uh, concerns by breeders in your state of Texas. Uh, It's my understanding that those vaccinations are a single dose, but the MedGene vaccine that's now developed here in the U.S. is uh, two dose. Can you uh, maybe explain a little bit more about that? Yes, of course. So the big difference between these vaccines is the European vaccines that we were allowed to import. There is a third vaccine that we were not allowed to import are killed virus 
uh, vaccines. So how this works is they have basically killed off the virus particles so that they cannot infect rabbits, but they put it into the vaccine and show the rabbit's immune systems this big bad virus. And the rabbit immune systems respond very strongly with a single dose because they recognize this entire virus and basically panic and go, oh my gosh, this is something that's scary. We have to remember this. We have to protect ourselves against this. All hands on deck. The MedGene vaccine is not a killed virus vaccine. Um, It's very, very clever how it works. It's actually just giving a protein uh, from the vaccine that the immune system will recognize and target and build an immunity against. And that means that we don't have to develop, um, well, we don't have to use rabbits to develop this vaccine, uh, which works really well. And because it's also using protein, if we have new strains of RHDV2 emerge, which we've already seen happening this year in France and Denmark, Uh, they're going to be able to adapt this vaccine a little quicker and easier, or at least I hope they will be able to compared to the killed virus vaccines. The killed virus, it's only going to be that version of the virus that it's really going to protect against. Uh, So that's very encouraging. But what that means for the immune system and why we have to have the booster with this particular vaccine is the immune system sees the protein and goes, oh, okay, well, that's a little concerning. We may want to take a note of that, remember about it, uh, and kind of, keeps going about its life. And after time, the immune system may not remember it as strongly. So what we do is we give a booster three weeks later and the immune system sits up and goes, oh, you're back again. I should be really worried about you. This is a big problem. I got to remember you for long term. And then we get a really great immune response for long term management and protection. Excellent. And while we're on the subject of those European vaccinations that came here, um, the Irovac and the Filovac, which you were instrumental in, in bringing over here, um, those vaccines were imported to the U.S., like we said, by veterinarians and uh, through a certain protocol with the USDA. Uh, is that going to change? Yes. So now that we have a U.S., even though it's emergency approved, a U.S. approved product, we will no longer be issuing permits for the importation of the European vaccines. Though Europe has used these vaccines for a long time and they do have a good safety record, they were never USDA approved. They've never gone through the processes to assure the U.S. government and the USDA that they are safe and effective. This was strictly an emergency measure. So now that we have a U.S. vaccine that has gone through those proper processes, those vaccines will no longer be allowed for importation. Uh, In other words, when my permit expires next year, I will no longer be able to import the Aravac vaccine. It is my understanding that veterinarians that currently have an active permit will be allowed to continue importation until their permit expires, but they will not be renewed and no new permits will be issued. And the vaccine from Europe that uh, was given to rabbits uh, by a lot of breeders across the country over the last year or or more, uh, say they were previously vaccinated. Uh, How should breeders who want to... um, continue vaccination, how should they or could they come back with this med gene and uh, basically inoculate the rabbit again with this version of the vaccine? Yes. So um, if you've had a rabbit that's been previously vaccinated with European vaccines and it's coming due for its annual booster, uh, you can safely switch over to the uh, med gene vaccine. We don't anticipate any complications from that. Uh, We don't know yet fully if we need to do the full booster series, or if we can do a single vaccine. 
Um, you, I do recommend that the breeders work with their individual veterinarian for their veterinarian's recommendations at that point in time. Okay. Uh, veterinarians across the board are really well educated with this and may have recommendations for their specific clients. So continue working with your veterinarian. Your veterinarians can be a lot more candid with you than um, the actual vaccine pharmaceutical company. So um, breeders here that now have access to the, the Medgene vaccine, uh, once they administer, once this is administered into their rabbits, when can they expect immunity from RHD? Two weeks after the second booster. And how long is it effective? Will breeders need to come back a year later to give a booster shot uh, after the second um, dose or that, that booster shot itself? Yes, we do anticipate that. Full studies have not uh, been fully performed. And the reason for that is these studies take time. And for many, many reasons, we were very eager to get this vaccine out and available to people as quickly as possible. So there is still some work to be done. And uh, I'm certain that Medgene is working on that. Um, and I believe they have to do it for full approval. Uh, so that information is coming, but we anticipate an annual revaccination. And the European vaccines are the same way. Um, in fact, the Aravac vaccine, when it was initially released, only was considered good for, I believe, seven or eight months before needing a booster. And then Hipra, the company that makes that vaccine, went back and revised some studies and then moved it to a full year for the revaccination. So this is really standard across vaccines in the industry um, altogether. According or with the Medgene vaccine, what is the youngest age a rabbit can receive this vaccine? 30 days, which is great. That is quite young. Um, and what about pregnant does? Are they capable of receiving the vaccine? And uh, do the unborn kits in that doe, do they actually receive some immunity from what you've seen or what's been studied? Okay, so for the label to read that this is safe for nursing and pregnant does, there's some very, very rigorous studies that must be performed. Um, I do know that nursing and pregnant does that have received this vaccine and have had no adverse events reported. But what is on the label versus what will be off-label use is going to be different until the time that those rigorous studies can be performed with the USDA um, guidelines. When it comes to passing on immunity of those that have been vaccinated with the Medgene vaccine, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But we do have a very interesting study that was done over in Europe with the Aravac vaccine that showed that does that had been previously vaccinated with Aravac provided passive protection against RHDV2 for their kids up to 30 days, which is also when we can safely administer the Aravac and Medgene vaccines. So hopefully a similar immunological process is occurring with a Medgene vaccine. Now we don't know for sure because we haven't done those studies, but it is very encouraging to think that if you do keep, um, if it is right for you to keep a fully vaccinated herd, that you are not going to have a gap in coverage if you are vaccinating at that youngest 30 day mark. Very good. I know it's been a kind of concern uh, of rabbit breeders about giving the vaccine and whether or not it will um, maybe fester an abscess or a bald spot. Uh, is there any evidence to show that surface, uh, you know, uh, evidence will happen after rabbits receive this Medgene vaccine, such as an abscess or a bald spot? 
No, we don't anticipate that. Um, we have been vaccinating 30-day-old kits uh, for the field safety studies, and we have also been vaccinating extremely small breeds here. We're talking Jersey Willies and Polish 30-day-old kits that have been receiving this vaccine. And um, at most, we've only really had uh, a few swellings that have persisted for a day that have then disappeared. So I think if we're going to have any problems, we would have seen it with the breeds that had been selected. So, so far, really no major adverse events have been associated with this vaccine uh, that I have been aware of. That's great news. Um, One of the biggest myths about the RHD virus is that a rabbit that's vaccinated cannot carry it or harbor it. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Okay, yes. So it's really important to remember how vaccines work here. Vaccines don't put up a shield around the rabbit that the virus just bounces off of. Vaccines train the immune system to respond to the virus once it actually enters the body. And it prevents the virus from replicating in large numbers that can then cause sickness and death to that individual. So uh, that's how vaccines work. Um, Rabbits who are vaccinated uh, will not become diseased. They won't die. They won't be shedding large numbers of virus. Good news. So where is the Medgene vaccine available? And maybe could you explain to our listeners how the vaccination is uh, being adopted in the U.S. by states and the USDA? Yes. So right now, the Medgene vaccine is an emergency use approved vaccine. That means that we still have some ongoing safety studies, though efficacy has already been demonstrated uh, to get full approval. I believe Medgene anticipates that sometime next year. Uh, So to allow for this vaccine to get into the hands of folks, what is being done is each individual state veterinarian has to review and approve the cell of the Medgene vaccine. So the states approve it, and then veterinarians within those approved states can then order directly from Medgene uh, to provide for their rabbit clients. So should contacts their state, let's say they live in a state that doesn't currently have the approval of the Medellin vaccine, should they contact their state vets to encourage them to, to get on this? Yes and no. Um, the best way is probably to contact your regular veterinarian, uh, emphasizing that you're very interested in this vaccine, that you would like to order this vaccine and have your veterinarian contact the state vet to add pressure for them to go ahead and approve that vaccine. So currently, who can actually administer the Medgene vaccine in the United States? Because it's emergency use, uh, most states are requiring that veterinarians or one of their trained uh, veterinary staff to administer this vaccine. There's a lot of paperwork that uh, goes into using an emergency approved vaccine And it has to be well documented. And most states are requiring that the rabbits who receive this vaccine have a permanent identification marker, either an ear tattoo, easy for the breeders, or a microchip so that the vets can record and document every rabbit that has received the vaccine. So as we said earlier, when you gave your little bio, um, you are one of us. You are a rabbit breeder. You you did this as a, a, a young person. And Very exciting. Your son is now showing rabbits and he's going to be showing his rabbits at the convention for the very first time. So what advice would you give to people in the show rabbit uh, industry about whether or not to vaccinate? 
my advice is vaccinate that which you cannot afford to lose. Um, it's really important to use these vaccines wisely. I know a lot of breeders have really large barns and it is cost prohibitive to vaccinate everyone. I understand that completely. It's expensive to vaccinate my own son's little herd, and we only have 18 holes. So we keep it super small, and it's expensive for us. So I do understand the cost. But at the same time, if it were to happen, we know that this is going to be random and sporadic and hard to predict. If you are the unfortunate person that does have it strike your barn, You want to have protected that which you need to rebuild your breeding program. So you should vaccinate those animals that are going to be really detrimental for you to lose. It may be your show string. It may be key herd bucks. It may be a special program, color program that you've been working on for the past 20 years. Uh, Another thing that I recommend is to set a budget. Know what you can afford to vaccinate. Um, I can spend X dollars every year. And then use that budget to select which rabbits will be receiving the vaccine that year. Very good advice. Well, Dr. Jones, you and Ashley both will be uh, giving a class at RabbitCon in Louisville this weekend. And we are so thrilled to have you there. We're going to be covering or you'll be covering a lot of the same things we've talked about on this interview and more, including a Q&A session with the uh, audience there live. So thank you again for agreeing to that. And thank you so much for joining us on this podcast to share these these breakthroughs uh, with this vaccine. It's a really exciting time. While this podcast would not be possible without the American Rabbit Breeders Association, it does not constitute an official communication of the association. The information, viewpoints, and opinions expressed herein are those of the hosts and our guests and are not endorsed by the ARBA. To learn more about the ARBA, please visit www.arba.net.